Hey, this is Terry Hill with Wealth by Design. Uh, this is the podcast where we go ahead and show you exactly how to build wealth. What I want to do is I want to talk about some strategies and techniques with commercial real estate that you can use. They're very easy strategies and techniques, but I can assure you that nobody else out there is actually sharing these. Um, first thing I want to talk about is assumable, transferable, non-recourse seller finance structures. And what that means is that if a property, regardless if it's got debt on it or it's own free and clear, right? There's standard terms, meaning debt structure on a commercial property um, or free and clear, meaning no debt. Um, if you happen to do seller financing and you put that structure or you take over existing terms, you want to make sure that you have that written in a way uh, under the contract where it says that it is 100% fully transferable. So if at any point in time you want to go ahead and sell that property, you can actually transfer your rights, the negotiation that you put into play for that seller finance structure, regardless of its existing debt that's wrapped or no debt at all, free and clear, you create your own uh, seller structure. Um, but you want to make sure that you can transfer that. You also want to make sure that it's non-recourse. Non-recourse means that there's no personal guarantee at all whatsoever. There's reasons why you're not going to want to personal guarantee it other than the fact that if you went default, they could come after you. Here in California, we're a one-action state. So what that means is if there was an, an event where they had to go through a judicial foreclosure, they could literally only take one course of action, go after you or go after the property. And they always want to go after the property, right? Um, as they say, you know, you can only uh, uh, squeeze so much blood from a stone. So if, uh, if you uh, were structured the right way and you had entities set up the right way, um, they can't pierce the veil because you're in a state of anonymity, meaning you remain anonymous. Um, of course, that's the state of both Nevada and Wyoming. Uh, that gives you an opportunity to stay clear and not commingle or cross-collateralize your assets. And that means that you are building wealth and you keep the wealth. That's very important. All right. So non-recourse is very, very powerful not to get that personal guarantee. There's another reason as well. And that reason is if you do start personally guaranteeing all this debt, what happens is your debt to income ratio gets, gets offset and you have to make a lot of money to support any kind of a debt. Uh, and, and what happens is if you have too much debt stack, then the banks turn you down. You know what? Hard money lenders turn you down. All these, all these personal private lending institutions or, you know, whatever hedge fund, whatever your syndication, however you're doing it, you've got to structure the deal where it totally makes sense and personally guaranteeing is not the way to do it. All right. Um, the next tip I want to give you here is looking at these projects. I do a lot of uh, underwriting here at my firm, you know, myself and my team, we look at projects, we dial them all the way into current rents to market rents. We look at expense ratio of typically 30%, uh, vacancy factors, typically 10%. If it's a smaller, say, self-storage facility, we can get a little bit more aggressive and do a 20-10, meaning 20% 10, and sometimes even a 20% expense and a 5% vacancy. Of course, if it's a small facility, like I just tied up a 59-unit uh, self-storage. But these miscalculation of expenses... Um, they're often going to be overlooked by um, brokers that are in a rush, um, sellers that are not in the know. Give me an example. I closed a deal out in, uh, outside of Orlando in Kissimmee, Florida, um, earlier this last year. And that particular property actually had um, the seller's mortgage uh, included uh, in the actual expenses. 
And it said right there, it said mortgage and it had a dollar amount. Well, if I bought it all cash, that mortgage doesn't exist, right? That dollar amount doesn't exist. So if you have a situation where you have a fictitious net income, then you're going to have a fictitious cap rate. The whole deal's going to be thrown off uh, to our benefit, might I add. And um, this particular uh, property had a manager that was getting paid close to $40,000 a year. So between the manager at 40 and their mortgage, which, uh, you know, had an additional um, uh, pretty large chunk in there, we minus both of those out. The property was actually worth closer to $1.2 million, and we ended up closing that property out at $500,000, uh, all cash, quick close. Um, you can look at these deals and see those miscalculations. Um, management operation agreement with an option to purchase is a very slick technique. For the longest time, guys, people have been out there and they've been teaching and training on, you know, master lease option, for example. The master lease option, when people are looking at this technique, it's really sexy. You know, it looks really, really good. Um, but the problem with it is it's, it's very complicated with taxes and insurance and, and all these offset expenses. And what a master lease option is, is basically two parts to it, master lease and option, obviously. You go ahead and you create this master lease agreement and you're operating as a tenant. And since you're a tenant, what you can do is you can move forward with the deal, fill these vacancies, raise the rent, stabilize the property, and you still don't have ownership of it until you actually uh, pull the trigger on the option to purchase. And the reason why it's so complicated, again, is because you got to allocate a certain amount of proceeds towards your expenses and, um, and, and so forth and so on, plus covering uh, monthly debt service. An easier way to go about it is to just execute a management operating agreement. So you come in as a manager. And with that, the seller is going to be responsible for everything. Um, since you're just managing the property and putting the time and energy into it, you still have an option. And then once you go ahead and you're, you're fixing the problems with the property, stabilizing it, at that point, um, you move forward and, and purchase the deal. So it's a very slick technique. All right. Um, a subordinated lien on non-recourse seller finance structures is another really cool technique. I've been practicing this for a very long time. I learned this one from uh, some of the greats that are out there, uh, you know, the, the, the big dogs, the wins and the buffets and and uh, the, the Rosses of the world, all these, all these people out there that are playing in, in bigger numbers. What they have to do on these bigger deals is they have to use these creative structures and techniques. And one of the structures is to move forward on this deal, go ahead and create, this is on a free and clear property, of course, meaning no debt encumbered on the property whatsoever. Um, you go ahead and create a seller finance note, but you make sure that it's got a subordination clause attached to it in the contract. And what that means is that you can go ahead and bring out an additional first loan position, borrow against the property, and a lot of times borrow against the property to buy the property. So since it's got a subordination clause, it means that the seller finance note that's in first position, it's going to be subordinate to a new first. And again, that allows you to go ahead and get easy money to put into first position. Um, another great technique that I love, and if you want to get long-term seller financing to play appreciation, depreciation, and cash flow, remember appreciation is the key because we can't buy time. But one of the things that we can do is structure these deals in a way where we can play appreciation and the property is going to be worth so much more, so much more, because we can do long-term seller finance structures. And how that looks on these structures 
is we can actually orchestrate the negotiation to do 10-year. I just did a 10-year seller finance note. 15-year. The longest one that I've ever done is an actual 29-year seller finance note. And with this long-term seller finance note, we play on the seller's greed. That's how we get them to actually give it up. You know, why would they ever want to carry that long term? Well, if they do cash out, then they have to pay capital gains. Well, paying capital gains tax, guys, as we know, um, the best thing that you can do is a 1031 exchange and roll it into another property. The last thing that you want to do is have to get in there and uh, and sell your property and then pay uh, north of 20, maybe even 30 percent of taxes. Um, you're not left with all that much at the end of the day. You know, um, you're giving away all of that, uh, all that, that future value that you worked hard for. So if you're structuring these deals, structure them with what I refer to as an escalation of interest clause. What that does is that allows you to go ahead and again, orchestrate that negotiation. Start off a little low with the interest, maybe a point above prime. And right now our prime rate is super, super low. You know, we're talking it's in the, in the twos, high twos. But we can do maybe a point over prime or two points over prime. Get it around 4, 4%, maybe even 5%. Um, you can structure it interest only for, for the first couple of years to keep your payment really low. Remember, if you do an interest-only structure, then you're not using an amortization schedule. If you're going to be doing principal and interest, then obviously you're going to use an amortization schedule. This is very basic stuff, so hopefully um, it, uh, all of you are digesting. But if you're going to do an amortization, you can do it at a 10, a 20, or a 30-year. Go for the 30-year. You know, shoot for the stars. Go for the 30-year AM. And then play that, play that future uh, in, in escalation of interest to get to the seller's greed because they're going to start calculating that interest. First off, you can point out, look, here's, here's actually how much more I'm going to be paying for the property over the first 24 months. Look at that actual interest structure. Then if you're going to do it over 10 years and then you're going to do principal and interest, let's say uh, for, for the remaining uh, 96 months, the, the next eight years after the two-year interest only, then, then play that out and look at what all that interest is going to calculate to as well on a 30-year AM. And then you can calculate both the two-year interest and then the small interest over that period of time and then hike the interest. So make it so they, 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 they look at the numbers and they're like, wow, I'm going to make so much more. Because look, it's starting off at maybe interest only at 4%. But as the years go on, year three, year four, year five, then pop up the interest maybe a half a percent each year. And that's called an escalation of interest. And you'll be amazed that they're going to give a longer-term structure, and it makes sense for them because they're becoming the bank, all right? One thing that we can do as well is a really powerful technique I have here for you. It's a, uh, a deferred down payment and accrued interest and a no-payment structure. So what that means is that when we're actually uh, structuring these negotiations, we can do a deferred down payment. So let's say you want to buy a property a million bucks. Let's just use round numbers, right? Let's keep it simple. A million bucks, right? You go ahead and you put down your 10%. That's a hundred grand. Um, they carry 90%, 900,000. Um, one of the things that you can do when you're structuring this is you can say, look, how much of that hundred thousand you need right up front? Because I need working capital. I have to put the capital to work to fix the problem that you obviously, you know, haven't fixed respectfully. You haven't fixed it. The problem, the problem, property sitting with high vacancy, low rents. Um, it's got some light deferred maintenance. Money needs to go into this. Maybe it doesn't have an e-commerce platform if it's a storage facility. You know, there could be a lot of different things going on with the property that you can easily point out as pain points. 
as pain points, showing them that, hey, look, this thing's got uh, a lot of hair on it, a lot more than you would imagine. And for that reason, I have to put my money to work. So out of the $100,000 down that I'm going to go ahead and put down, can I structure where I put down 50 now and then another 50 in 12 months? And people, typically, they don't think in this fashion. But if you start asking, if you don't ask, you don't get. So if you start asking, you'd be amazed at how things can actually unfold, okay? You can do accrued interest, meaning um, the interest, if you interest only, like for a 24-month interest only payment uh, structure, um, if you actually accrue that, meaning that it's paid later, okay? Or what you can also do is defer it. And if you do a deferment, that means that you're putting it to the back end of the loan. That's pretty amazing. I've, I've asked, I said, look, I'm not asking for a no payment structure or a no interest structure. You're going to get the money, but you're just going to get it later. I did a project um, not that long ago. It's a 54 unit uh, multifamily. And when I went in, um, I went ahead and asked for the first 12 months to be um, deferred. And they agreed because there was so much deferred maintenance on the property. So I came in with my down payment, but instead of servicing debt for 12 months on something that was considered a liability, remember a liability is something that's not producing enough income versus an asset, right? Something that is producing a lot of income. So it's a liability and it made sense and they agreed to go ahead and to, uh, to do that. And so we put that on the back end of the loan, which was great. All right. Got a couple more here for you. Wholesaling commercial property. You know, if you're out there and you tell any broker that you're a wholesaler, you're going to hear some grunting, all right? I'll tell you that. They're going to be kind of frustrated over people that go out there and wholesale. And, you know, we're talking about wealth by design. And, you know, I highly encourage you to check out my website at terryhale.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y-H-A-L-E.com. And, um, and look around. Take a look around. But when wholesaling commercial property, what we do have is a channel called the Commercial Buyers Club. And the Commercial Buyers Club is for property that we feel that's good enough to go to the market, offer great terms or a great, you know, a great purchase price for someone else to take it. And you literally can get in on these projects. You can find them, lock them up with a small EMD that's an earnest money deposit, make sure that the earnest money deposit remains fully refundable. And um, also make sure that you have what's referred to as a unilateral clause that only takes your personal signature uh, to go ahead and release that earnest money. Because if you, you know, get into, uh, into business with somebody that's uh, drumby on the other side of the deal and they're, they get you know, frustrated that you didn't perform, um, they could tie up your money for a period of time. And uh, you don't want that to happen. You want to make sure that you stay in full control 100% every single step of the way. All right. So wholesaling commercial, it's all about the spread. It's obviously about what you're tying it up for to what the true future value, like the R of the ARV and after repaired value. And then what you do is you tack on your dollar on top of what you purchased it for. And that's called wholesaling. It's a great strategy for basically unwanted properties on your portfolio. Okay. Um, lastly, self-directed retirement investing. And this is something huge. And if you've got capital and you want to invest, and yes, I do have a fund uh, you can go ahead and contact my office. Just go to my website. My contact information is there. You can purchase property using your self-directed retirement account to profit um, either tax-free or tax-deferred. Uh, and the strategy will give you um, the opportunity to create a very strong portfolio and build something, what I refer to as generational wealth. So I hope you enjoyed the tips and strategies on this Wealth by Design podcast. I'm Terry Hale, and I appreciate you being here. Come back for more. Take care.
Yeah.